sports yak. Oh, One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends. If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer Joe. Hi, everyone. And uh, Scott joining us this week. Greetings. Uh, this is Scott's first time on the show. Joe's uh, uh, monthly recurring guest uh, here. Talked about comic book movies, of course. So uh, we write for SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other movie-related articles. Um, this week, there'll be a Halloween uh, retrospective um, going through the whole franchise, which should be really cool leading up to Halloween. Hills. I think Foster's um, uh, I apologize if I'm, if I'm wrong on who's doing that. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, yeah, like that should be a lot of fun, doing, uh, uh, doing one of those... Uh, the best ever challenge is coming out every week. Gosh, this last week doing the 007 one was just really a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, a little grueling, but because uh, <laughs> uh, there's also like, how do you really rank these? And you're always going to get pushback no matter how mm-hmm. you rank them. So we tried to be like as like Robert has this algorithm that's like IMDb, Metacritic, and Letterboxd, aggregate scores, and all that, and that's kind of what determines what determines the ranking. And we make adjustments as we're like. No, no, <laughs> there's no way that should be the, so, um, so like, it was just interesting. We, we made a few changes, but for the most part, that's, uh, we try, we try to get the whole, the whole broad, but also put a little bit of our, of our stand mm. on it. Uh, lots of fun. Um, Joe, I think you wrote on Tomorrow Never Dies for that one, right? I did. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite blonde films, uh, largely because of Michelle Yeoh. I, I love oh, yeah. her. She's great in that movie. Yeah, it's it's just that weird, like, I don't think the movie's good, but it sure is fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But watching it in retrospect, like, yeah, it's not the best movie in the world, um, yeah. especially script-wise. But yeah, I think she kind of, like, she elevates the movie a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I wrote about The World Is Not Enough, which is just straight nostalgia <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, uh, and I also did on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which, uh, which was pretty fun. Uh, Scott, which ones did you have? I think you had a couple, right? No, I, I just did the license to kill. Um, as, speaking of world is not enough. Um, I had a little bit of rose tinted uh, glasses on that one because um, I will go on record that when it comes to Nintendo sixty four games, the world mm-hmm. is not enough is a far superior game than Goldeneye in wow. all aspects. All right, all aspects. It's it's far superior. So what, when I <laughs> when so, I wanted to uh, when I wanted to watch in those movies, I expected the same. But the world is not enough. Is not a good movie. <laughs> man, so many people just shut off the podcast. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I never played the N sixty four version. I played the PS one version. Uh, mm. But to me, that game was a goat for sure. Uh, yeah, and I Golden Eye was just before my time. So mm. um, the world is not enough. Was my nostalgia double o. But I've been Killed replaying many of hours to uh, to Goldeneye. Oh yeah, it's like the first FPS I ever got into. I'm playing the the remaster um, next, um, the the one that came out on PS3, Xbox 360. It's not yeah. bad. Oh, it's, yeah. it's not it's, it's not good. great, but it's not bad. And, um, I played the Quantum of Solace and started 007 Legend of Time to Die, um, which um, there are certainly some feelings to be had about those games. But 
<laughs> anyway, so we do lots of uh, fun articles on the site. Uh, so make sure you check out sifpop.com, keep up with all that. Uh, but on the show, on the podcast today, we're going to do some coming attractions. So two big movies coming out this week, Halloween Kills and The Last Duel. Um, so we'll talk about those. Uh, and then when we're done talking about them, we will do uh, Superman films uh, one through four and returns. Um, so Christopher Reeve and then Routh. Um, and uh, we'll talk. We'll get a chance to talk about those for however long we deem necessary. And um, just hopefully it's shorter than one of these films, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and then we'll we'll do a B plot, um, kind of unrelated, but I just thought like, hey, like, what's a movie prop you'd really love to have? So we'll we'll talk about those. And of course we'll wrap up and off. So one thing to recommend or warn um, outside of the other thing. But first, as always, we gotta get a chance to acquaint ourselves with our writers. Uh, Scott, I'm gonna start with you since you're new. Um, when did you realize that movies are kind of your thing? Um, it was honestly probably around 2006, 2007, and I can probably pinpoint the movies that really kind of made me look at where I realized I probably had kind of a more analytical look at movies. Is Casino Royale is not on that list. <laughs> <laughs> um, 300 came out, uh, uh-huh. I think it was March 2007 or so, and I was a junior in high school, and that was... A lot of my friends were chest thumping, getting ready to go see 300, <laughs> talking about how great of a movie it was. So I yeah. was all in for it. They saw it. They said it was great. Mm-hmm. I saw it and I was like, I watching a different movie here. <laughs> like, so I started questioning myself. And then that was also around the time, I believe, I don't know, it was probably, I think a year later or so, um, No Country for Old Men came out. And that was when I, I saw it. I'm like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen and tried to get my friends to see it. And my friends were like, no, it's okay. I was like, again, we're watching completely different movies here. So <laughs> it was really around that time where um, my just love for movies and the art of, of film really came into play. That's, that's great. You know, a lot of times these writers are like, uh, oh, it's a movie I grew up with. And that and that's really cool. But like, I love those stories where people kind of have those aha moments. Like, mm, yeah, uh, like all like, like, cause that was, that was me. I didn't realize I was the movie mm. guy until high school. Um, and somebody's just like, wow, you sure have seen a lot of movies. I'm like, I have. Uh, what are some ones that I should see? Uh, anyway, uh, Joe, what about you? I've kind of like always grown up around movies. Um, went to the movies a lot as a kid. Uh, like the one that really stands on my mind, the one I always mention. Uh, I probably saw Robocop uh, earlier than anybody should. I think I was like four <laughs> or five years old. Um, so that was quite an experience. Like first it was traumatizing. Then I just like loved, loved the film. Yeah. Um, but like my uncles would always expose me to different films and like different, you know, different movies that I would watch. Um, but I think the big, the huge aha moment is when I started working at Blockbuster. And I think I realized like how many movies I'd actually seen in the movies I could speak to in like great detail. And I was like, well, like, this is like the perfect job for me. I mean, it doesn't really pay well, but at least it's like entertaining. Yeah. But, and uh, you get free rentals and you get to take yeah. it home before anybody else does. I was like, I watch a lot more movies than my coworkers do. I was like, yeah, I think I'm actually interested in this. So, yeah, I think yeah. that was kind of like the big aha moment. But it's always yeah. sad when you get to a video re- video rental store, which I don't even exist anymore. But it's always sad when you get to them and you're and you know the cashier is not like <laughs> yeah. excited at all. It's like guy, <laughs> like <laughs> anyway. Um, and uh, it, and then we'll do this other question too, uh, Scott. What's your what's your favorite movie, and uh, what specifically makes that movie beyond excellent? Um, I was prepared for this question. Um, it, so it's uh, Lady Bird, twenty seventeen. Mm, list of shame for me. Um, uh, yeah, I would, I'd watch it as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I only saw it the one time uh, when it came out um, because I, I I'm an Oscar guy, so I'll go watch the Oscar movies and so watched it and it really just 
sat with me for a long time. And I, I think just out of fear that it wouldn't hold up, I haven't really, uh, I haven't gone back to it, but just recently watched it and yep, it absolutely holds up. It's great. Um, takes place in 2002 coming of age tale of uh, social Ronin. Um, and it's just this really snippet of uh, a snapshot of her senior year of, of a Catholic high school. And it's, um, uh, it's the relationship between her and her mother is wonderful as at one point in time, they're literally arguing um, about something. And then the mom pulls out a dress and was like, how about this? And then all of a sudden they're best friends again, talking about a dress. And I think it really encapsulated relationship between a teenage girl and uh, her mom, from what I can understand, obviously not being a teenage girl. Yeah. So um, I just think everything all together, um, and it just, just like so many little things where there's like subplots that are kind of in the background that aren't really fleshed <laughs> out. And like, I take that as because um, Ladybird is so engrossed with her own life. She's missing everything around her. Mm. So I think it's just really well-written. Um, it's an absolute mm. five-star for me. I could awesome. go on for days. Uh, we'll talk about other movies that have a lot of stuff in the background. It's not really fleshed out, <laughs> but, but less intentional. Uh, Joe, what about you? What's that one that you pin as your favorite? Uh, I think we've gone over this, but um, The Shawshank Redemption is like by far one of my favorite films. Um, probably the best narration I've ever heard in a film, period. Um, just overall the pacing of the movie, the kind of ebbs and flows that it kind of goes through. Um, it, and you can't help but like tear up at the ending. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's perfectly crafted. It's perfectly directed. Uh, Frank Durbont, I think I, I believe that was his first film that he ever directed. Mm-hmm. I think he did TV before that, but he just knocks it out of the park. Uh, yeah. The perform Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman are perfect. Uh, the accompanying cast is, is excellent. Um, I wouldn't change anything about the film. Uh, I think it's a perfect like 10 or a five, five star yeah uh, film yeah for sure for sure a a go um they recently released this on 4k and picked it up i haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet but i've heard the transfer is just immaculate oh, really excited sounds... um cool and then um yeah uh so then scott um kind of what's uh you, you you're in the new wave of writers um, i am and uh so kind of what was that thing that kind of made you pull that trigger because i'm pretty sure you saw the twitter post yeah. that you made and like but what <laughs> yeah. was that thing that kind of made you you pull the trigger to be like you know what i think i'm gonna do this now um, for one, honestly, it's my fan of, of Sif Pop, um, going back to obviously hearing Dicer on Cinema Synth and then moving over to Sif Pop. So I've been a big fan of Sif Pop for a long time. Um, and then writing about movies, I've always kind of done it on the side back when Tumblr, do you guys remember Tumblr at all? Uh, <laughs> I remember I it. I didn't use yeah. it though. Yeah. yeah I didn't so use it. I use that as just kind of where I'd write my, my movie reviews. Um, mm-hmm. so I wrote, uh, I'd write a little bit there. Um, but just always have a passion for writing. Um, I'm a, I'm an English writing major. Nice. Um, and so, um, movies are just, like I said, my love for movies, my love for writing, they just go together and just being able to really get my thoughts and opinions out there for -hmm. people to read was just a really cool opportunity for me that I couldn't pass up, especially, like I said, for a website, um, and a, uh, program I'm already, uh, yeah joe i'm going to switch up this question on uh on you a little bit because we've kind of already talked about this uh you're one of the writers before i started writing all that um totally unrelated but i i saw venom let there be carnage uh the other week and i just kind of had this realization i don't know too much about venom if i want to get into venom what's a comic book uh you probably want to revert to the origin story with the whole you probably want to go back to actually secret wars when the symbiote suit actually attaches to Spider-Man. So that's okay. a very emphasis of like where that transpires. And kind of like, I think there's actually a trade out there that kind of follows that entire storyline. It kind of breaks it into pieces uh, up until Eddie Brock ends up getting the symbiote suit. 
Hmm. Um, but that would probably be the best way to kind of like uh, kind of absorb that. Or I feel like I'm even like a little bit familiar with the character now because I've seen Spider-Man. 3. My understanding is pretty <laughs> inaccurate um, for that. But yeah, and I've seen the two Venom movies. Like I kind of have an idea of like what the character is. But like, what's what's the best story um, that Venom has? Like, what, what's the best? Like, is there an issue of a comic book you could turn me to to be like, man, if you want to love Venom, here you go. Uh, I'm not like the biggest. I got like holes in my knowledge when it comes to comes to Venom. But like like I said, that overall trade is kind of like good a good place to start. Um, maximum carnage if you want to see you know him become an anti-hero kind of like come into the fold and he has to end up working with spider-man because carnage is too unstoppable at this point um that's also a good place to start um but eddie brock in general is just a really interesting character he's really sympathetic Uh, i don't think they've quite captured that in any of the films um i mean he's literally like this character is kind of downtrodden on his luck uh, is dying of cancer like everything possibly around him is falling apart in his life so he's um, he's Wade Wilson, pretty much, like the way that he is in Deadpool. It, it's it's pretty similar, besides all the joking around. <laughs> he's a little more serious, but <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, he's a really interesting character. Um, he's really fascinating. Uh, but like I said, I, I don't think I've really quite captured that essence. We've got you know this kind of petulant, kind of like jerk character. And then we have like Tom Hardy's kind of cool guy. Uh, so yeah, it, yeah, I don't think I've really hit the nail on the head yet. Yeah, they got like high school jock bully with Topher Grace and or like college <laughs> yeah. college preppy jock with, um and and we get whatever Tom Hardy is, but I love whatever he's doing in these to me he's the only thing that re- is redeemable about these but uh you know it I, I whatever it's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that makes some fun. Yeah. And then sort of my one uh it, it's kind of a random question, but I do think this ties in a lot well here. Um, and that's, uh, what, what definition do you think, uh, makes somebody a, like either one of you put you on the spot? <laughs> um, I, th- I think at its base definition, it's just putting others before you, mm. like you, you think about the people who run back into burning buildings for, for people, like they're not thinking about their own safety, probably foolishly, but they're thinking about how can I make sure that everybody else is safe? Yep. Yeah, it's like it's like the in my opinion, it's like the person who makes the sacrifice, right? Who makes the who makes that call? Who, who's willing to um, who's willing to make the ultimate sacrifice in order to save somebody else or protect somebody else? Uh, a level of morality that's possibly far beyond anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like I said, my my favorite superhero of all time is, is Captain America. I think he embodies all those yep. the fabric of what a hero is and uh, kind of the selflessness that it takes to to, to be that person. Like I mean, uh, like him. Like him questioning Tony, like, you're not the man to lay on the wire, you know what I mean? Well, that's Uh, that's the thing with Steve Rogers, is he is the hero, he just doesn't have the body for it, and then they give him the body for it, so. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think you guys, I mean, yeah, to me, it would just be somebody who um, is willing to do whatever he can for anybody, um, regardless of consequences to the self. Good way to say that, because, like, that doesn't, you know, heroes can be lots of different things. Hero doesn't have to be burning building, although certainly those people are heroes. But like heroes can people like there's somebody just on the street from me that has a, a box that's like, hey, take what you need. And yeah. if you if you have more than like leave some stuff here, like leave some canned goods like that's that person's a hero for having. Um, so, yeah. Uh, cool. I think, well, let's talk about- that, I think uh, I think another film that kind of embodies that perfectly or characters is, is Wonder Woman in the uh, in the Wonder Woman mm. film. Like it's perfect. Like that's to me, that's like visually that's like everything what a hero should be. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it kind of relates to what we're going to talk about with the, the daughter film as well. Uh, yeah. Superman. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm excited to do that. But first, before we dive into the the Superman films, uh, we got to talk about a couple movies coming out this. Um, Scott, you're the guest here. I'll uh, or the the new guest. I will let you um, pick. Do you want to talk about Halloween Kills or The Last Duelist? Oh, uh, let's let's do The Last Duel first. All right. Last Duel. Um, this is a movie coming out this week. Uh, synopsis is King Charles VI declares that night, um, a night, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, um, <laughs> settle his dispute with his squire by challenging to a duel. So that would be uh, the Matt Damon character, uh, Adam Driver character. But we also got uh, Ben Affleck in here um, in a role, Jodie Comer. Um, this looks like a pretty like small film, so like not a... Not necessarily a ton of people working on it, but Affleck and Damon working on the script as well, along with Nicole Holof Center. Holof Center. Um, can't forgive me. Enough said. The new black. Mm-hmm. Parks and Rec, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Wow, it's a really interesting thing uh, to have her on. For, but um, uh, Or she directed. Uh, and then, of course, it's directed by Ridley Scott, um, which is also a uh, draw for this. But the last duel coming out this weekend. Uh, this will be a th- theater exclusive um uh joe let's start with with you uh you know kind of our anticipation level we're taking everything out of the mixture except for your own free will and volition so budget doesn't matter um covid is not a thing in our anticipation level scale all that um how excited are you uh, on your own free will would you go opening weekend wait for a discount night wait till you can rent it at home wait till it's on the streaming service you already pay for or are you just not uh well i'm i'm really a sucker for really scott and his films and his, his visual style so for me it would be opening weekend uh i think historically accurate stuff is going to go out the window he literally doesn't really that's not what he does best um, what he does best is like provide visuals and like uh, you know some great dialogue um at times uh, the production value looked amazing. Uh, the overall cast looks really solid. I can't get enough Adam Driver. This seems perfect for him. Uh, Matt Damon looks uh, greatness too. But yeah. yeah, the like I said, the visual style, the kind of the grittiness, kind of dirtiness to it, it kind of feels like his Robin Hood film or like Gladiator um, in that respect. I think when he stays in that wheelhouse, he's most effective. Um, yeah, what about you, Scott? Same scale. Uh, uh, probably a discount night. Okay. And the caveat is depending on word of mouth is I do have a, an interest in this movie, but it's really kind of going to come down to, is it worth seeing? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be straight up an opening weekend. Um, mm. There's, there's so much exciting about this and here, here's what really sells this for me. You have it directed by Ridley Scott. When's the last time he's made a bad movie? Like to me, that would be 2008 with body of lies. I think that's a bad movie. Um, and like, I didn't see Exodus gods and Kings. I didn't see, um, uh, all the money in the world, but like, those aren't like considered like awful or bad. Yeah. Kingdom of heaven, which the director's cut gets a lot of, um, uh, he, he did do the Russell Crowe Robin hood. Uh, I, I know there are some people that like that. Um, I- I enjoyed it. I, I didn't. I didn't think oh. it was. I didn't think it was fantastic. But I definitely, um, in retrospect, uh, with uh, Prince of Thieves like existing in the world, I think it's a, you know it's a superior film. But yeah, I mean, it's bo- it was boring to me. But like, I also saw it when it came out when I was mm. fifteen. So like, I wonder me <laughs> eleven years later watching it out of it. So like, either way, you're talking that's eleven years ago, Ridley Scott. Sure. And, yeah, and like, Matt Damon is like what eighty ninety percent hit of his movies are good. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Driver's probably a higher ratio than that. I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything that I really didn't like. I don't, the dead don't die isn't a good movie, but like, it's kind of intentionally that, uh, and Ben Affleck, other than that, like early two thousands run, like also incredibly solid filmography. Um, so like, I just, these people just aren't typically in bad movies. Um, and obviously there's exceptions for everybody, but, um, you know, it's, this is a really impressive, um, crew put together. Um, lots to be excited about. Um, Affleck and Damon returning to write is also exciting because absolutely 
I love that. But um, it's just, it, I also love the idea of this being a relatively like small, not small minded. That's not the right word, but like a small scale move, right? Like how, how many of these movies now that we see are like, you have to like, it, it winds up like saving the world or saving the universe, right? Like every single Marvel mm. movie, every single DC <laughs> movie, except for Birds of Prey. Um, like it always winds up being like this, this big bombastic, like, all in or nothing and like just to watch some small like you know all in for these two characters but not necessarily any like massive world ending ramifications like Mm -hmm. something about that is just exciting just Mm -hmm. just to see you know like like you know why can't we just see superman like save a cat out of a tree or something (laughs) like that you know yeah i think even though it looks scaled back there's still like high stakes involved Mm -hmm. which i think which i think is like strikes a really um, interesting balance but yeah but like you said like a lot of movies these days are like big bombastic over the top kind of like action-based films so it's kind of nice for a film to take a st- step back uh, in that respect yeah well and even like uh, let's take a look at the subject matter too right because this is all all about a ac- accusation of sexual assault um that i don't know that we're necessarily supposed to I- i'm sure the movie will tell us it happened or it did. Mm-hmm. um and probably pretty soon. I think we're supposed to imply by the trailer that we're supposed to believe that it happened. But it, it doesn't matter because it's also about like society's, this this council's um, like view of, it, it's a he said, she said story back before there was the internet and before, um, you know, people took this stuff kind of really seriously. So um, it, it, it to me, it's, it adds an, ele- an extra element in and it looks like they're treating this story with a lot of respect and they're treating these characters with a lot of respect. There's that moment in the trailer where, um, where Matt Damon says, I'm risking my life for you. And she's like, no, you're risking your life for your pride. And like, mm. I, I feel yeah. like this movie made 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, even with all the same people involved would have been a much different movie is now. And I think, uh, I think this is something really excited. I, I, I want it to kind of challenge me uh, or at least push me or direct me like philosophically as well as, stimulate my my desire to see ben affleck and or not ben affleck, matt damon and uh, adam driver go at it uh, yeah other than that I don't, I don't know that i have any other thoughts this looks like a relatively straightforward movie it sounds like people are either like in or out right i, I think i think like you said like it's a subject matter that's probably more relevant than it than it has ever been yes um as far as like accusations and like um you know a man's a man's pride so to speak and like what, what women actually go through on a day-to-day basis with people not believing them um, in these in these situations, and you know, it was a very different time for women. They didn't have the type of you know reverence that they have now. Kind of like more, uh, you know, more respect um, that they that they you know that they actually deserved. Um, so yeah, I think I think this film is probably more important now than it has ever been. And, I, and like I said, it looks like they're handling it with respect, and um, I think it's like a largely part of the reason like I want to watch it as well. Uh, alongside you know these two guys in a duel, kind of clanging swords together. I mean, right. we've, we've seen that plenty of times, but with something like this, where the stakes are kind of like very, uh, very intimate and like, it's very, it's very um, kind of insular. That's going to be like the, the kind of the linchpin for this type of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I'm really excited for this one. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, the talent, the talent is definitely there behind it. It's just more of the trailers. It's, it's hard to say whether it's going to be too over the top. Um, or is it just going to hit the tone just right? So that's kind of where I'm at again, waiting for word of mouth. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think this has a lot of potential to be something really cool, and I'm for sure into it. I was also just thinking, like, man, let's do a double feature with this and Promising. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> oh, awesome. yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, well, then Halloween Kills. Um, look, I have a feeling this is just going to be how you feel about the franchise. Um, and uh, But either way, synopsis for this movie is uh, the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode uh, in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series. Wow, that's not a synopsis. Um <laughs> But I mean, you, but you get the idea, right? It's it's Michael versus Laurie. And... Yeah, they they know what they're doing with that. Is they're if at this point you're not watching Halloween Kills as your first Halloween. Movie. Well, and it's one of those things too that it's like you know it's like oh what's the new Friday the Thirteenth movie about? <laughs> Jason's in the woods killing people with a machete. Awesome. Yeah, I probably could have figured that one out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Michael Myers is in suburbia on Halloween night. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, I, and I think a lot of our skills are just going to depend on how we feel about this franchise in general. Um, let's see, uh, Scott, I'll kick it off to you this time. What do you think about Halloween kills? Same, same scale. Uh, this is opening night as early as I can. Sweet. That's a yeah. big surprise. What's your, like, what's your experience with the franchise? Um, I've, uh, it's Michael Myers is my favorite slasher. Um, I think that John Carpenter's 78 Halloween is the an absolute masterpiece of mm-hmm. a horror movie. Um, I think that I, I will put uh, the worst Halloween movie up against the best Friday the 13th any day. I think that Halloween is far and away the best franchise, top to bottom. A lot, a lot more hits than misses, I believe. They I do can't. have misses. I don't have a stake <laughs> in that because I haven't seen any of the Friday. The I agree for the most part. Uh, so, Joe, what about you? Uh, how excited are you for this one? Yeah, I feel the same way as Scott. Like right away, like wow. opening weekend. Uh, I'm a huge John Carpenter fan, and Halloween is like one of my favorite horror films of all time. I grew up watching it as a kid. I think I've watched it more times than anybody probably should. <laughs> um, like I said, it, they've had for me, they've had more misses and hits, but it's always a joy to watch Michael Myers in these films. And all the ones more involving Laurie Strode have always been uh, pretty well received and pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's the thing that Friday Thirteenth has always lacked is like a strong protagonist, and I agree. definitely has one in Laurie Strode. Um, I, I loved the the first, uh, not the first Halloween, but Halloween twenty eighteen. That was mm-hmm. a, a great sequel, probably one of the best sequels I've seen in any horror films. Uh, I know it might be a hot take for some people, um, but yeah, I'm super excited about this. Uh, I think it was really well directed. Uh, the 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 first actual sequel, um, 2018, that, uh, that being, um, but yeah, I can't, I can't get enough of, uh, Michael Myers and, and, uh, Halloween films. I'm going to land on discount night. Uh, cause I'm really excited to see this. Um, I like this franchise overall, although the only ones I've seen are the original Halloween and 2018 Halloween. So like, yeah, but it's <laughs> oh, interesting, but, but well, but that's, that's what they've said is that no other film is canon. So I know that's why yeah. I think it's interesting is that you have none of this other material to go off of. So, but I, but I really liked both of the movies. I don't, oh, I don't yeah, know no. that I'm, I don't know that I'm quite in love it for either of them, but I would say really liked, um, probably loved the first Halloween the first time I saw it. But, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm just in really liked for both of them. Um, the, I would take the original over the 2018, but still like mm-hmm. they're yeah. both good movies. Um, in my opinion. Um, and I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of those like slasher moves from back in the day. Um, scream would be the one that I have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of history, with, um, mm-hmm. but I think everybody has a lot of history with Scream. Um, <laughs> I, I love the I like I love the idea and the concept of Freddy Krueger, but I'm I'm also but there's not like a straight through protagonist. There's also like um, it, it, those movies are definitely a lot more miss if, if I'm uh, to be understood. Freddy Freddy Krueger does have a protagonist and um, Nancy. Okay, um, that she's appeared in I believe one three and New Nightmare. Yeah. Okay, and well, the only ones. Show. 
the only ones that I bought are the the very original and New Nightmare because I've heard because okay. essentially based off of scores, those <laughs> seem to be the only two. Okay. <laughs> um, and the only one I've actually seen is the Jackie Earl Haley, um, mm. which uh, not good. But... <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, like so, I don't. Slashers aren't my thing. I, I really like the Scream ones. I'm really excited for the new Scream mm-hmm. film, and um, I, I I definitely go back to those. But um, but it's for me to be excited about a slasher film is 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 not a light feature. Um, mm. But I will never be that person that uh, typically will never be that person that's like I got to go see this as soon as I possibly can. I'm like I I will see it and I will go to a theater, but it probably will be you know a a showtime that i don't have to pay you know 12 dollars to do. Uh-huh. Uh, so um i'm more excited about the last duel than i am this uh, if oh. you know, if i get a choice to see one of them friday night it'll be the last duel um but uh but uh, i'll still i'll still go um and, and like i said i think it's just kind of how you feel about the franchise like right. you're right nobody's nobody's going into halloween kills as their first one but uh-huh. um yeah. but i know people like love the originals and hate 2018 halloween so maybe those guys aren't aren't coming back or maybe there are people that are like yeah, I've only seen the 28 or maybe there's people, I, I don't know. There's all sorts of varieties. So I, to me, it's just like when you get to this point in the franchise, you're seeing with 007, you're either in or out. Right. Um, yeah. And if yeah. you're, and if you're in, then it's like, well, then you probably are going to watch a couple of them. Right. Like, and I know that no time to die has sparked that from a couple of people, even among the pop writer. I've never seen a bond movie. Maybe I'm going to do that now, <laughs> um, which is cool. But like uh, uh, just being able to, um, you, 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 same with MCU, right? Like, nope, nobody's going to watch Black Widow first. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't have I don't have any other thoughts. Um, feels straightforward to me, but I'm happy to entertain thoughts if you guys have them. Um, no, I, I think I've I've pretty much said my piece on it. Is that um, I think uh, Halloween is is amazing, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, just yesterday, I went back and watched the with uh, some friends just the Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween movies. So one, two, H two O, and then twenty eighteen, and we skipped Resurrection uh, because she's in that for like ten minutes, and I don't, I don't want to talk yeah. about Resurrection. And my head is not canon. <laughs> I mean, in so in the, in uh, David Gordon Greenhead, it's not canon. Oh, also true. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but Jamie Lee Curtis is just phenomenal um, in this role, and especially considering I was looking at her IMDb, I think she only did like four horror movies that to start yeah. her career. Like she did the seventy eight Halloween. Then she did three in uh, 1980. I think it was like Terror Train, Prom Night, and I think Halloween 2. And then after that, she stayed kind of away from horror for a long time. And I think it was H2O that actually got brought her back to even a horror franchise. Yeah. And so, again, just to see her just really kill this role every time she's is just, it's such a treat to watch. It's like watching the best athletes play. You need to go watch the the best um, entertainers do what they do best. Yeah. Well, and it's it's even one of those, it, what a career she's had too, because I grew up and the thing that I knew her from probably was Freaky Friday, even oh, though yeah. <laughs> I didn't see Freaky Friday until like a year ago. Right. Um, <laughs> And I think, and I think one of the things we will consider her most iconic and potentially even best role is in, in Knives Out. So, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, what an interesting career she's had. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, yeah she's terrific. Of course, voicing roles in Archer every now and then, and New Girl uh, play. Not voicing New, like what a what a varied career. Mm-hmm. She's in the new Borderlands movie, which is no, <laughs> <exciting. yeah. laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, Joe, any last thoughts? I um, mean, yeah, like hit the nail on the head. Jamie Curtis is uh, fantastic as Laurie Strode. Um, I mean, she not only, I wouldn't say she redefined, she actually defined what a final girl is in a film, kind of set those rules, and uh, no one's dethroned her. She's the best at it. Uh, yeah. I've never seen a film with a better lead character in that role. 
Um, but yeah, I'm super enthusiastic about it. I love what they're doing with her character, where she has like high levels of PTSD. Um, yeah, it's a far better sequel than the original sequel, in my opinion, um, the 2018 version. So yeah, I'm just super excited. For sure. Yeah, and you're right, maybe the only other comparable like person that you could say like is is the perfect like protagonist female person in a horror movie would be her mom in Psycho. So oh. <laughs> uh, I yeah. guess it runs in the family. So yeah. um, Well, maybe, I think... We- sorry, maybe if we're putting them up against each other, maybe Sydney Prescott from Scream, just to bring that full circle again. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I, I think that they're both strong in their own right in different ways, which is a, a conversation for a different episode. That's that's fair. Yeah, that's a conversation we'll have when we when we talk about the new screen movie. Yeah, um, in January, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I think we've gone long enough without actually talking about Superman. So so let's dive into it. First of all, um, we'll be talking about Superman one, two, three, and four: The Quest for Peace. We will also be talking about um, Superman Returns, um, and that'll be the ones that we'll talk about. Um, we will be talking full. Um, about them, you know, spoilers for all these, but the last one still a teen year old movie. So, uh, gosh, that's weird. Um, um, so, you know, fully, fully people should fully expect that. Uh, uh, but I think first of all, we kind of have to talk about, um, kind of where we were before we got into the movies. I'll, I'll start us off. My experience with the Superman franchise, um, is that, um, I've probably seen more animated Superman stuff than I have not, you know, because he, he pops up in a lot of these like DC animated, you know, Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, Justice Doom, Justice League War, he even has an appearance of Batman Hush that's Super, you know, Death of Superman and Red, Superman Red Sun, you know, a lot of these that, these animated movies that I, to varying degrees like, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and of course you talk about the, like the animated Justice League and every now and then he pops up in, um, I, that's probably my thing, um, I, uh, I've seen Man of Steel a couple times. Um, I like Man of Steel quite a bit, um, and uh, and I've seen the original Superman and Superman Two. Although I think I saw the Donner cut the first time. Um, I'm not totally positive, um, but I'm pretty sure if I had to place money, I would say it would be the Donner cut. So I have very little history with specifically these films, um, and it's been since high school, and I saw them both. Uh, that's kind of my history, uh, Scott. What about you? Um, as far as Superman in general, um, I. It's kind of one of those weird things where growing up, obviously, I watched what my parents have. And Superman was never, like, in the rotation of VHS movies. So I missed out on Superman for a long time um, from the from motion picture standpoint. Um, and I always kind of growing up thought Superman was one of the more boring superheroes. Because um, mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he's perfect. He's Superman. Like, nothing can hurt him except for this one rock that everybody seems to have. <laughs> and he um so i kind of avoided it for a long time i watched uh smallville um i uh, in college i binged through the 10 seasons of smallville so i um, kind of got to see some character nuances there um and then it was in may where it was just kind of a realization of like i think i'm ready to finally watch these so i i didn't really grow up a lot with superman until um just this year when i i watched through um the uh yeah the 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 reeve and the brandon ralph what about you joe um yeah, I've kind of grown up with with Superman kind of in the background, uh, being a comic book reader when I was a kid. Uh, I was kind of more of an X-Men person, more of a Marvel person, um, more of a Batman person as far as DC Comics is concerned. But he was always there. Like, I, I read The Death of Superman and uh, the kind of revival of Superman, those type of, like, 90s comics, like, growing up. Um, I loved all the different variations of Superman that came out of the woodwork um, after the result of his death. So it's kind of like the start of me kind of reading Superman comics. But, yeah, what Scott says... I. I think not until recently, um, you know, getting being older, um, I thought Superman was a very bland character. He's very by the book, very clean cut. But the thing is, like, as you get older, you kind of realize, like, 
that's kind of what you would aspire to be. That's what makes it kind of fantastic and unrealistic because people were not like that. So it's kind of a change of pace to see somebody who's like not um, as flawed in that respect. Uh, and you let you kind of like lean less on people like Wolverine that are incredibly flawed and, and more anti-hero-esque. Um, but as far as these films are concerned, yeah, I haven't had like a huge history with them. I'm on the same boat as you as far as Man of Steel. I, I actually really like Man of Steel. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. solid. Um, but with these films, like this is the first time I actually sat sat through and like watched all of them from beginning to end. I've always caught snippets on like TBS or TNT whenever they pop up, but they never really drew me in. Um, so yeah, it was a really interesting experience to kind of like watch these things without those kind of rose tinted uh, nostalgia glasses on. Yep. Cool. Um, and for, for clarity's sake, before we officially did, did, did either of you guys watch the three hour TV version or did you watch the theatrical? Uh, I just watched the, the cut that was in HBO max. So I, um, it's just, that's just the theatrical version. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Cool. Awesome. I know there is a three hour cut and I know that there's a lot of people that have a lot of nostalgia from, but also like it's a different movie cause it's <laughs> an hour longer. Uh, Joe, we'll start yeah. with you. Superman the movie. Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it? It's just okay. Uh, I'm kind of like here in between really like it and love it. Uh, oh. I actually think it's pretty solid, um, even even without, like I said, having that nostalgia for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's an incredibly effective film. It's got a solid opening. Uh, Marlon Brando's great, even though he's got limited screen time in this. Like He's really effectively used. Um, the tagline is, you'll believe a man could fly. I, I really did. Like they really they do a great job with the flying. I think it's really effective. Um, the relationship between him and Lois is perfectly done. It's it's very st- steeped in like what the comic books is like. Like I said, I have like a few things probably we'll we'll touch on later as far as negatives go, but they're pretty like they're pretty minor. Uh, Christopher Reeve, that dude is Superman. Like he is Clark Kent. Like he's perfectly cast. He put in the work in the gym. Like no one could wear spandex and have muscles show through like that. So I think he he put in the work. He did a great job. Um, and, and Gene Hackman, uh, greatest uh, Lex Luthor, uh, fantastically cast. Uh, his he's very uh, he's very mustache twirly as far as a villain goes, but I think it's effectively used as far as a Superman story is uh, concerned. But yeah, I had a blast. I actually had a good time with it. Uh, what about you, Scott? Yeah, no, I'm in the same place as Joe. Is high side of liked it, uh, possibly even loved it. Um, it it's it's really good. I mean, I just echo everything. Is uh, I I think that uh, Christopher Reeve is just brilliant. Um, as just, I mean, being able to go from Clark to Superman, like his portrayal of Clark is probably honestly, I will, I will put up there as one of the greatest superhero roles up against, um, Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Um, uh, and, uh, I mean, just not superheroes, just comic book movies in general. Like he's so good at being able to switch from Clark to Superman at the drop of a hat and just little mannerisms he does to show you which character he's playing. You're never like, wait, is he Superman in this role? Is he Clark? You always know who he's supposed to be. I mean, even without the, the, the costume, change, just okay. his, his facial and, and body. Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. I'll be the odd dog. I don't like this movie. Oh, um, no. <laughs> firm, firmly and dislike it. Um, I, I did not have a good time watching this. Um, I, I think I liked it more the first time I watched it back when I was in high school, but even then it was, it would have been a just okay um, I, I think this is a two hour and 15 minute movie that does absolutely nothing. Um, it, I mean, you get a, a very brief, um, like introduction to Superman and to Lex Luthor, but, um, gosh, this is, this is a, and this will be a common theme. I will say that about a lot, most of these super, uh, this is an extended episode of an animated, um, <laughs> uh, like that's, that's all this is. This could have easily been a 20. 20- um, episode for Superman, um, and I would—I'm sure I would have liked that a lot. But um, I, I do want to bounce back. All the, I and 
um, there's, there's also an understanding of this came out in 1978. So this is kind of the bridge between um, Adam West's Batman and Michael Keaton's Batman. And you can kind of feel this feels more like it. it's not as light and silly as Adam West's batman and it's not as dark and serious you know the the batman from the 80s um so like you can from the late 80s like you can definitely tell like um for the time i'm sure this was a great movie i'm sure it was revolutionary a a lot of the special effects don't hold up but when you consider this is around the same time as star wars like neither do the star wars effects um (laughs) you know they they held up amazing or they were amazing in the time they came out but like you know, um, yeah, in I think a lot of their practical stuff, you know, in flying looks great, and obviously that stuff still. Um, uh, I I will disagree, and this is probably going to be a big, uh, big point of contention. Um, I don't love Christopher Reeve as Superman, and I was saving this until yeah, you know, the end of Superman two. That's why I wrote this note. Um, I know he's considered the goat for Superman. I know he's considered untouchable, but to me. Um, there is not the level of, of a love or admiration or even respect for this actor in this role that I have for Michael Keaton as Batman, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, uh, Keith Ledger as the Joker, um, you know, Downey Jr. as Iron Man, but like, I, I specifically tried to keep him like age appropriate. Like mm. to, I, I, he, he does both of the things well, but I don't, I don't think that they're incredible. Right. I don't, I don't think that they. Like to me, like Michael Keaton in 1989 is Bruce Wayne. Um, I don't, I don't quite feel the same thing, and I'm willing to just be wrong on that. That I'm, pro- I probably am. I just, <laughs> I think it's one of those things that like there was no live action Superman, and then there was Christopher Reeve, and he was great for the time, and so now nobody can touch him. It's like I, I prefer Henry Cavill. Alone. Well, he was, he was actually what the second live action Superman because there, there was oh, a TV right. show. Yeah. Well, but I meant the I meant as far as films go. Yeah, because there was the, oh. the and I'm sure there were other films and like the that <laughs> three people have seen. Yeah. Right. Um, but I don't. You know, I don't want to be a super big downer. Um, I, and I don't have many notes about this because to me it's just an overly long, overly like simplified, and then. I also have a note, just screw the last 30 minutes. Of, uh, mm, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll go one further. I'll, I'll say we can probably cut the first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes. I think that beginning of on Krypton is so long. It's yeah. so drawn out. Yeah. And I, I did not enjoy the beginning at all. Um, there was not a lot there that I particularly enjoyed. Um, and it was really interesting that they started with, with chucking Zod and friends into space. Like, how much did they plan for a sequel? Because... Very much. Did they? Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, if I'm correct, um, and this is not necessarily recent research, but my, but Donner was... Well, th- I know this part. Donner was planning on producing four films. Mm. But I believe this... But I believe there was plan for the studio to make seven. Okay. Um, wow. And, and so... And, but and Donner was gonna take at least the first couple. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he was ever supposed to do Superman three, but he had kind of started. We're gonna make a seven movie long Superman arc, mm. um, but at least at least four. So they had thought these things, and okay. and that that was one of the notes I wrote to I I, I wrote to is I like how it's in there, um, sending Zod out, and it kind of like sets it up to where it's not a cheap callback. A lot of times where we get these these comic book movies and they take us think of like uh like Spider Man Homecoming where we have it beginning at the end of the Battle of New York. Like mm-hmm. Vulture's character in that kind of feels like an afterthought then. Um or you have um plenty of examples of people where you they like take you back in time to a different point of oh, something sure. already happened. You know, Batman versus Superman would be a good good example there. Like Oh yeah, they're just across the harbor, and now that big fight. <laughs> oh with, yeah, 
like that would be yeah. the same thing. Like that feels like an afterthought, and it's really refreshing to see this just straight up set it up and not be willing to not talk about it. For the- no, I, I agree. Yeah, this I think that it has a much different effect than if we get to Superman two. And then yeah. they flash back and like this actually happened before Krypton exploded, but we didn't show you that. So I mean, them... they, they did they did flash back to oh, sure. before the thing. And gosh, that's uh, another thing because oh yeah, like, I, I have notes on that. Yeah, no, we'll talk about that when we get there. But yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, you're right. They set it up beforehand. Yeah, I, I appreciate that they kind of called their shot. Like mm-hmm. they kind of Babe Ruth called their shot. They're like, <laughs> yeah, we feel confident in what what this project is going to entail. We know we're at least getting a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it was kind of like the way they telegraphed that and kind of foreshadowed that that would be the big bad for the second film was, uh, was done effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like, like I said, I think Christopher Reeve is, is perfect in this role. Like he does the slouch thing to make himself look smaller, less imposing, like definitely things that he actually does in the comic books. Like, but in the comic books, he takes it a step further. He like compresses his spine to be smaller at times. Um, so it was kind of cool well, that he like, I don't think Christopher Reeve could do that. He's not, he's <laughs> no. not actually Superman. So, so like the flashing stuff was cool. Like that was definitely a, a, a kind of a callback to it without having to do any visual effects or anything. Yeah. But yeah, his different mannerisms, the way he effectively kind of like jumps between these two characters. I think it's really effective. Uh, I do agree that um, if you look at it from a plot standpoint, there's not a whole lot going on, but if you're doing it as a character study of these two characters and like what they entail, uh, which I think what they were going for in the first film, I think it works really well. Um, but plot wise, yeah, it's, it's not super entertaining, um, in in that respect. Um, I guess the, one of the other things I want to talk about is I, I, Lois Lane is supposed to be one of, you know, if for Superman to fall in love with, like, she's supposed to be one of these really lovable characters. And I I think it's just the way she's written. I don't, I don't think it's because of, of Margot Kidder's, um, performance. Uh, I, I don't like this character. Um, I don't like Lois Lane. Nothing, nothing nothing makes me want to root for (laughs) Superman and Lois together. And we'll get there when we get to Superman three, but it's like, I'm more rooting for Superman and Lana. Like, Mm -hmm. um, just cause I don't, I, I don't. I don't feel that love. I don't, I don't, you know, and again, you know, maybe in 1978, you know, if I would have been a teenager, I'd have had a poster of her as Lois laying on my wall. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but it just didn't, it didn't feel that way to me. Um, I, to be fair, I don't know that any of felt that way. Cause Amy Adams isn't that even, um, uh, but I think she's supposed to be that. Like I get that in the animated. Movie, so I don't, I don't, I don't buy into their, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think they have chemistry. Um, and I don't, I don't buy into, will they, won't they, uh. super Clark really wants to, but, um, he's just always Clark Kent. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say a positive though. Um, this is maybe one of the best scores of all time. Mm. Uh, not just the main thing, but this whole thing is terrific. Uh, obviously we got John Williams. Yeah. What a, what a hero. Uh, yeah. Uh, touch on that. I, honestly, my last note here is, um, and I'm, I'm not one of those people who usually sits with credits or anything like that. Once the movie's over, I'm ready to move on to whatever I need to next. But with this, the movie ended and I just sat there just listening to the music of the credits. It's, it's so good. I, I love this the Superman theme so much. Well, it's, it's one of those even too, like after watching most of these in the last couple of days, getting to Superman Returns and it comes up on the screen and it's like, bah, 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 <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, let's go. Yes. Like I'm still excited because it's, it's, it's so good. Uh-huh. It's brilliant. Um, also like Lex Luthor just kind of gets a lot of knowledge from nowhere. Like, <laughs> and like, that's really bothersome to me because they're just kind of like, Oh, he's from this planet Krypton, and there's this thing called Kryptonite, and it hurts him. It's like, where did you find that out? <laughs> Who has it, like no? There is no way there's a database of Krypton, and you can just encyclopedia that stuff. Because, gosh, uh, anyway. <laughs> but I don't know. He has, a, he has a vast collection of books. There's got to be some stuff in there about Krypton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to be. 
so much knowledge. Extinct planet oh. from halfway across the universe. <laughs> where there's only one survivor. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Uh, I do love Gene Hackman in the role. He's he, to me, he's a great cast for sure. Yeah, his delivery of yelling Miss Tessmacher is is okay. so good. It's just one of those things that just resonates in your ear. He, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, and then I, I don't think I need to say anything more other than I hate the last 30 minutes of um, mm-hmm. the flying around the world backwards <laughs> to, to turn time back. Um, you know, the, the and this is a cliche we'll see time and time again, but the female assistant that turns on the villain at the end and saves Superman at the last yeah. second. Um, In every movie? <laughs> Just about? Uh, I, think, I think three of them. Okay. Um, three or four of them. Um, at least Superman, Superman 4 and Superman Returns. Um, but... Um, I think Superman too. We'll talk. About well, it. I mean, it's not the female. It's the yeah. Um, it's Richard Pryor. Character. Richard Pryor. Yeah, I want to mm. say Lionel Richie. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> um, so I, I hate, I hate the ending of this movie, yeah. and that's what brings it down. From it was just okay until no, 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 I really don't. Yeah, I think the two negatives for me, like yeah, like you said, the last thirty minutes are kind of are kind of par for the course, kind of not great. Mm-hmm. Um, like Superman flying around the world. Yeah, I'm not buying that at all. I feel like there's there's a there was a hundred different ways, if not a thousand different ways, to, to to write that effectively. Yeah. Without having to jump to that, I don't know who thought of that. Um, the opening sequence with a kid reading the comic book, so cheesy. Mm-hmm. Like you're already breaking immersion like right away. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to know he's the comic book character. I get it. I know he is. Like I don't need, I don't need a kid to show me reading the comic book. I hate yeah. when they do that in comic book movies. It's like Eric Bana Hulk stuff. Like no. I, I don't the- like that. The the exception is when we get to see something like in in um, Zack Snyder's Watchmen where somebody is reading Tales of the Black Freighter. Like yeah. that that to me is okay. But that, yeah, that's within the, that's within the source material, and that makes sense. Right, right. Uh, or to me, like it's fine even when you have like them reading comics of like like Logan, where there 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 are comics of back from the X Men. Like I'm fine with that. Yeah, um, it, well, it makes sense in the, in the context of that story too. It's like it's like right. they're. You know, it's like their version of fables or you know, stories right. or passing down stories where it's 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 within universe, but it's not the comic books that we read. Right. Uh, right. So, yeah, well, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm out of thought. I wish I was watching movie. Logan rather than watching all these movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'll just uh, just kind of echo what everyone else said. Yeah, I think the rewinding time uh, bit is one of the most overpowered super uh, superhero uh, powers in the history of superheroes and like it there's no ramifications for it he just he does it even with um marlon brando's voiceover saying like you shouldn't be messing with uh with i don't remember exactly the line but essentially saying you shouldn't be messing with time like this and and so he just does it and everything's happily ever after that like there should be something that comes up from that because they made it a point to bring it up a couple of times and then yeah the pacing issues i have in my notes it takes like an hour for this movie to really get going yeah um and and it's been a while since i've watched man of steel but i think they did like the they intercut it right they intercut the flashbacks with like current event or present day um i don't think so no um there is a there is an extended krypton sequence and then they have Clark Kent showing up, and okay. then they have the oil rig. So they have, but they have the oil rig in there between Clark Kent as a kid, which mm-hmm. says very little of Clark Kent as a kid. Um, <laughs> well, but they do intercut like where 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 uh, where Pa Kent dies. Like they do intercut like some yeah. of his older stuff, but it's right. it's, okay. it's not super. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and you mentioning Pa Kent. Like there really should have been more Pa Kent in this. I really enjoy just his relationship with Clark. I I mean I don't I don't I I wrote down the Kents are pretty useless. Uh, I yes. mean I get I get their significance in the overall Superman story, but their their 
constantly referenced to in these as, oh, he was raised right. And these local America loving people, loving people (laughs) raised this person to be compassionate and kind and to not use his powers. And then like, then they're gone. Like, but like they're on, they, they have so little screen time. Um, Yeah. I I found them charming, but I I do believe they need to be utilized more. I did like the, I did like the spots with him and Pot Kent. You get more of like where he got his morality from and like how he grew up, but there needed to be more of that, especially when, you know, it kind of calls for that with this large runtime that you have that you build this character up, mm-hmm. especially somebody who's so morally kind of ingrained with these qualities, like kind well, of expecting more of that. That's why I kind of even like, um, like I, I, watching this movie made me appreciate Man of Steel a lot more because the Krypton sequence is better. Um, the, the Jor-El character is given much more to do in real time as opposed to a hologram. Uh, Ma Kent is given a lot more to do and Kevin Costner's Pa Kent gets a lot more to do. Um, I love the just set up Superman as Clark Kent from Smallville. And then like, it kind of ends with him going to the daily planet. Um, like I, I watching this movie made me appreciate man of steel a lot more. Um, yeah. I think man of steel is a, is a better contemporary film. Uh, yeah. if, like I said, I tried to put myself in the mindset of watching it in 78 or like when I was a kid, uh, to, to kind of help me, help me with that and kind of get through it. Cause otherwise I'm going to be picking things apart, like largely you know, <laughs> right. comparing it, comparing it to a film that's, you know, that's more recent and, it's kind of more nuanced in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. I mean, I tried as hard as I could too, but also uh, I, I, I failed. You, you will find later that that will fail me and it won't, there's nothing that will save that. <laughs> well, let's move on to Superman two then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start. Um, I'm going to go just okay for this. Uh, I, again, I watched the theatrical cut. I think I saw the downer cut the first time in high school. Um, so just the theatrical cut. I think it's just okay. Uh, what about you, Scott? Uh, no, um, same place where it was with uh, Superman 1. Okay. Is high side of liked it, loved it. And you, Joe? Uh, I thought it was just okay. Okay. All right. Um, I think this is clearly better uh, than the first one in a lot of ways, but partly because, Joe, you were talking about how you saw the first movie less as a action movie and more as a character setup piece to or a character study to understand who is this superman and who is this lex luther i think superman does a much better job at that because we don't have to wait for luther to officially reveal himself as a bad guy towards the end of superman like we already know luther's a bad guy now put him in a position like at the very end with the kryptonite crystal uh the the crystals like put him in the position where clark or even the world is about to end and clark tells him here's how you here's how we defeat them and he, you could see he's just this constantly backstabbing will never get along with guys. like to yeah. me i saw superman 2 this the way that you saw superman uh, i'm sure the donner cut is a lot better uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure it is i've heard a lot of things about the donner cut that it's actually a lot better but yeah it's not what i saw <laughs> well and the aforementioned first 15 minutes of this movie being a recap <laughs> right well they didn't uh, they didn't yeah. have vhs back then so I they know. had to give you the recap of what happened in the well, first but, movie but like four things happened in the first movie i could have gone for a 30 second recap uh yes yeah. so it could have been undercut with with uh yeah <laughs> right yeah or it's just like I, I don't need any of this this is like fluff like get this out of here yeah. Well, and that's one of the other things too. Like, I'm willing to to say they should make an editing choice too. Now that it's on streaming, and now that it's on, like even when it was on DVD and VHS, yeah, cut it. You don't need it. I get <laughs> I get it for 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 theaters before VHS was a thing, like before home video was a thing. Yeah, but you don't need it anymore. So that's one of those things they should just cut. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm absolutely with you. Is so. that it, it was on needed, and I have the ability to fast forward. I'm aware I, of that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it, but I was, but I was just like. 
has it really been 10 minutes? Like, <laughs> yeah. It feels like an eternity. Like, now I just need to sit through this to see how long it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I really don't like this movie at all until Zod shows. That's mm-hmm. the thing for me. Uh, but I think once Zod shows up, I think the second half of the movie is terrific. So that's kind of where I land in okay, where I, I really don't like the first part. And I really, really like the second. So because um, the first hour of this movie is just a whole lot of nothing. So um, that's... Yeah, that's where I landed with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I think the opening is kind of, it's kind of whatever, kind of, kind of waffles between being pretty good. Some nice little character moments between uh, Clark and Lois and her, you know, stumbling upon him being Superman. Um, but I think largely the, the stuff that really works is like, is this odd Ursa non stuff. Like, those three are like the best part of the movie, mm-hmm. especially Ursa. Ursa's fantastic in this movie. Yeah. Like, she's phenomenal. She, I think she's actually better in Zod in this movie. Um, I like how she like defeats people and like takes little trinkets along the way. Like, mm, oh, that's yeah. cool. Let me take this sheriff's badge. Oh, <laughs> Daryl Patch. Let me take that. Yeah. Like by the end of the movie, she has like a little collection of like. She's for oh, sure okay. like the better, uh, but like Terrence Stamp is given a lot more to work with. You know, uh, where you know where when he when he commands Neil before Zod, like oh. all right, yeah, you do what he says. So he Absolutely. he's given those bigger moments, but for sure, um, he he's actually probably a little like overplayed by uh, i can't remember asa isa something like that uh, ursa ursa Uh, sarah Sarah douglas which is the complete opposite for the man of steel because she's a very nothing character yeah because that is (laughs) that is michael shannon's movie Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh yeah anytime zod's around anytime that crew is around anytime what even if superman isn't around i'm so interested in that i you know also the whole thing about like now we get clark kent losing his powers and like i think interesting idea of course every second superhero movie has to have a the superhero mm-hmm. lose their powers, uh, and uh, um, at least, them, it, at, least um, yeah. at least they didn't do it very long in this movie. Is like I think what twenty five minutes runtime, maybe. He's... Yeah, it's not it's not that long, and it's yeah, pretty absolutely. inconsequential, other yeah. than a diner fight. Yeah, um, <laughs> that I, I still uh, thought it was pretty painful. Like I thought it was like it didn't need to be there. No, yeah. no. The only thing is that way they couldn't have you know just. Oh, here's Zod and Superman. Now they're just gonna pew 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 until whatever. Mm. Um, I guess not pew pew, bang bang bang. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. I guess unless they're using their laser eyes, that would still. Wow. Um, uh, the fight scenes uh, were really cool in this. Uh, again, kind of uh, severely dated. You know, uh, we're talking nine, I think. Yeah, they they made a concrete <laughs> barrier explode. <laughs> that was that was fun. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 1980, sorry, two years uh, different. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it still looks the same as 78 Superman, but mm-hmm. um, but I think it was just more creatively done. Um, the, the action engaged me a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think yeah. everything about this is an improvement from the first film, except for the score, but they still got permission to use John mm-hmm. Williams. Uh, yeah, the, I, the scene that really, I think, really pushes it above for me is the scene where Zod is in the White House. And just yeah. like his his acting there of him calling out the the trick of your leader would not kneel so fast and him like towing the line between being a being a um, a uh, a gracious leader of I will let you live if you do what I say like I'm not, I'm not going to go after you just because I'm better than you I know I'm better than you so just right. listen to me so the way that he really plays that is is really well. And then yeah, uh, yeah sorry and then just that that fight scene um, it starts off really well. I like. I really like it when they're going after each other, but then it goes on for a while, and it just gets increasingly weirder. Um, like I think, I think I timed it. It's like five minutes of Team Zod just using their wind power to blow the <laughs> distance. Like that goes on forever, 
And yeah. I think that's that's probably one of the biggest issues with this movie is some of these scenes just really just drag on when like you get the point after like 45 seconds. Yeah, we've definitely grown making films. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the them like kind of destroying Metropolis, I thought that was really entertaining. But yeah, it, it's kind of like overdrawn. It kind of lasts too long. Where I think it's more effectively used towards the third act of the film. Um, Winter in the Fortress of Solitude. I think all that stuff is pretty awesome. Um, mm-hmm. The the more comedic approach to this film kind of bothers me a little bit. I feel like they could have done a little bit less of that. Besides the non stuff, non is pretty awesome because he's like trying to perfect his his laser vision and he can't. Yeah. <laughs> when he finally does, he's like a little kid. You know, gets a new <laughs> toy and just starts blowing stuff up. And I thought that was highly entertaining. I get the I get the feeling that that's. Um, that was the stuff added after Doc Donner got fired. I think so. Because yeah. like there's a, there's a little bit of levity in the first film, but not not where it's like over the top like this. Right, right. But maybe that's what made this one a little bit more watchable, a little bit more fun. A little, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, and uh, my problem persists. Um, all right, I have I have this note written here, and it's the last note I have for you. And it's uh, first note I wrote, other than the recap, and it's that Lois Lane is an entitled bitch. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember what that's in specific specifics to. Probably to the scene where they're in the the like waterfall area. Um, oh, sure. I hate, I hate, hate, hate Lois Lane in this movie. Um, I think she's awful. I think she, I I can't understand why anybody would want to be with this. So um, I, I, I love freaking Superman. I like how fiery she is. It kind of, it kind of entertains me, and, and like that's that's how she is in the comic book too. Like that that's the thing. Like I think it's why Clark really likes her. Like she's challenging. She's not like. Mm-hmm. She, she's a she's not a woman of her time. She's definitely like ahead of the curve mm-hmm. as far as like her sensibilities and whatnot. And I thought it was pretty funny. She like threw herself in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Superman. <laughs> Great. And you you know uh, the did you see the deleted scene? It kind of surfaced on on uh, the interwebs recently of the original scene of how she finds out that he's Superman. Nope. So she actually pulls out a gun. And shoots him with a blank <laughs> to fool him into thinking like he she really would have shot him. So it's it's much more intense. <laughs> All of a sudden, Lois pulls out a gun and is ready to shoot Clark Kent. I, I, think I bet I, you that's in the Donner cut. Yeah, I, I think it's better to cut that. That's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, speaking kind of of Lois is like uh, if getting to the end of this movie. First of all, I I love the end of how. The, the trick of how he uses Lex to, to trick um, Zod and and team into uh, losing their powers. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think it's it's a great superhero ending, a, a movie ending, where it's kind of up there with Doctor Strange for me, where it's not just two guys punching each other as hard as they can. Like, there's some wits there. But then after that, like, Lois and Superman just become straight-up killers. Like, Lois just kills, like, she punches her and she just dies. Or she falls into the crevice and, and just dies. So, mm-hmm. like, no qualms about just murdering <laughs> in this one. Yeah, that, and, and that's what I don't get about, like, why people are so hypercritical about Man of Steel and him snapping Nod's, Zod's neck to, you know, save a few people. Yeah. They, he murders the whole crew. Like, they yes. literally murder everybody. They punch him into the abyss. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. It's super hypocritical. Like, people just forgot about that for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. Um, my main issue with that was always not that he killed Zod, but how he killed Zod. I was just like, they're throwing each other through buildings, but sure, he could just snap his neck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, if there's a if if there's a Superman movie of these original couple that I'm likely to return to, it's this one, and it probably would be the Downer Cut. Although I just don't know that I am that mm-hmm. interested. Um, 
And I, th I think uh, before we, uh, we move on here, we'd be remiss if we don't talk about the amnesia kiss that uh, Superman is able to use, which yeah. I think in today's day and age is a bit problematic if you really break it down to its core. But it is a uh, power that he has in the comics. Uh, yeah, for sure. That doesn't that doesn't excuse it. But, no, not at all. <laughs> um, I hear you though. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like they made up. He can fly, you know, like he can fly around the world oh, yeah. backwards. And any other thoughts before we move on to Superman three? Um, uh, overall, I think Clark is really selfish in this film. It's very uncharacteristic of what Superman is. like. He's willing to sacrifice his powers and like you know sacrifice the lives of like billions of people for, with him not being around. I I couldn't get behind that. Plus, like when he gets his powers back. To be that vindictive, to go back and use your, like, oh, not your full powers to, to fight this guy, <laughs> yeah. but just overpower this guy. I was like, you're such a jerk. And you just ruined this person's dying. Like, I don't care how many <laughs> how many Benjamins you pulled out of your pocket to give to him. And, and how'd you get all that money anyways? You, were, <laughs> right, you don't you make that much money. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I found that. <laughs> to me, that was the thing that really broke the immersion for me. I was like, you don't make that much money. How do you have all this I, cash on hand? I thought the same thing. I was like, nobody is going to believe that this guy has that strength just by going to the gym for a week. Oh. Like, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely, I, I thought about this when, when I watched it is like, that's something if this, if this is released in, in the year 2021, that's a, like a, a mid credit scene. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, absolutely weird. That was tacked on. All right. Superman three. Um, yeah. 1983. It's a three year gap here. Um, synthetic kryptonite laced with tar splits Superman and Clark Kent, bad man of steel. All right, here we go. We're getting to the ones with really not good reputation. Joe, let's start with you. Do you like this one? Love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just? Uh, I think I dislike it to almost hate it. Uh, it's it's pretty terrible. Uh, the overall concept of having the evil Superman the way they do it is really lazily done. Uh, their usage of computers, like they have no understanding of how computers work. <laughs> Not even at that time do they have any understanding of how computers work. And it's so funny I'll, how they just put him down at a computer and he immediately like is a computer programmer. It's not like not like people need like I, I just, four year degrees and and a bunch of other like I get computers were simpler and I mean Richard Pryor's character is very savvy, but no one's that savvy. Right. And I'm, not, I'm not buying it. And I love his character. He's probably the best part about the movie. He's super uh, entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say that for sure. He's super entertaining, and like overall, his character's really cool. But yeah, no one picks up like that's one of my notes. No one picks up computers that fast. Like I don't care if you, even if you're a genius, you don't pick it up that fast. Yeah. Um. The 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 biggest thing too, like I'm just gonna go into the opening, the kind of Roy Goldberg machine thing they do at the beginning is cheesy. I hate it. That was horrible. Yeah, and then it leads up to a guy really drowning. It's like <laughs> yes. almost drowning in a in a car. I was like this is like the weirdest rescue I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle more about it later. We'll let you guys... Yeah, my first on. note was, oh, so this is an Office-based prequel. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scott, what about you? Do you like it? Love it? Hate it? It's like it? Think it's just okay? No, this movie has all kinds of problems, and it's ridiculous. It's one of the most ridiculous superhero movies, but I like it. Like, I'm oh. I'm, I'm in the middle of the like category. Nice. Uh, I am firmly in dislike it, right exactly where I am with Superman. Um, I, I honestly think I might put this movie in before I would the first Superman again, uh, because I think it's it's got that silly component, which makes it a lot more watchable than the first movie. But I would turn this movie off halfway through um, because I'm the opposite of Superman, too. I really liked the first half of this movie, everything until we get good Superman versus bad Superman. I hate the last half of this movie. Um, so exact opposite. 
because uh, I, I, I made a note. All right, I think for me, like for this movie, the better, the best thing for me is just going to be read my notes. So I made a note. I was just like, um, uh, this. Uh, well, first of all, I said uh, this movie doesn't seem that rid- bad or ridiculous so far. And he just froze a lake and carried it five miles. <laughs> I have that too. I have that note. <laughs> yeah. my, my exact words, he picked up a freaking lake and dropped it in a chemical fire and that solved everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I also wrote like, uh, just talking about how like, I'm really bored by the last 30 minutes of this movie, which is a shame because I was actually kind of liking it. And then my next note was, Hold on, that wasn't the last thirty minutes because there was somehow twenty movie twenty minutes left in this movie. So um, th- that's that's exactly my thoughts. Is I, I really liked the first, even if even if it was ridiculous, like him putting a leg on top of a of a chemical reactor that was on fire. But um, but no, this is um um uh way too overlong i i hate the evil man superman versus superman should be awesome but it was super boring it, it was like it was like the way they were fighting each other too just for a person that knows like everybody like you would know your own weaknesses right yeah. it's not effective to throw tires around somebody it's like something i see in a looney tunes cartoon like he's gonna bust out of that in like two seconds like it's so dumb we're like oh, i'm gonna crush him in a, in a car compactor he's invincible you're not gonna do that like what are you right. doing you don't you don't have magic and you don't have kryptonite you're not killing superman like there's no way to do it so, throws, throws tires on top of the man of steel it was, yeah it was that really bothered me that they yeah. talk, and like also how is superman getting drunk there's just no way he would get drunk i don't know um, yeah i i had that note too about when they're fighting each other of this the ridiculousness of of trying like anything that would completely pummelize any type of or real human like it's obviously not going to work here, so I'm not quite sure what the goal was. But yeah. I love that fight. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's polar I, opposites, man. Polar I, opposites. It's I can't help it. It's like I loved it. Like I said, such a ridiculous level of like Clark versus Superman. Fine, I'm in. Like, <laughs> uh, well, but here's the thing. We'll make another Logan reference when when Logan has to fight. The, the the clone logan that was awesome and i mean oh, i get we're amazing. talking directed by james mangold in 2018 or whatever right. like i get that we're talking the difference of the year but like there is a way to do this well but every time that they tried to do it before <laughs> gosh i don't know um i don't know anytime that they tried to do it usually like it just sucked it was always bad and now now they just always do it oh sure uh, yeah so. if it's that exact clone then it's some but like it's, it's just same abilities yeah, right. same abilities um uh, and just to show like where i understand this movie i do actually have a note that just says what is this movie so oh i have an answer to that <laughs> i have an answer to that um because my very last uh well, one of my very last notes was uh this is not a superman movie this is a 007 movie mm. because that last that last part where you have the the webster character um and you have him um uh, uh, kind of in that last big lab where there's a bunch of stuff going on and one of the henchmen realizes something's gone. He's like, wait, I didn't want to kill Superman. Now you have this henchman that's turned on your villain and it's a, it's a lot more espionage and a lot more, um, you know, um, spy than it is superhero. Mm-hmm. So this this is this is a Roger Moore era 007 movie. Uh, it does, which it means, which means it doesn't make it good. <laughs> yeah. It has a lot of lazy writing. Yeah. Uh, like... And another thing, like really poor villains for antagonists, like they literally slotted into place like lesser versions of Lex Luthor. And, oh yeah, and you know all all his cronies, and uh, it definitely showed. Uh, the, the the one thing I had noted was the antagonist like turning into an android 
getting absorbed by the computer that was awful like i didn't like anything about that the video game interface used for shooting the rockets like (laughs) who Um, designed the interface like you know things will just automatically appear like that there has to be like art direction behind it like when yeah that came out in 83 those like video game graphics weren't even there quite there yet no think so i that was really strange like 90 side scroller yeah graphics <laughs> with with scores <laughs> yeah with yeah how do you get a score you didn't hit anything like <laughs> i don't know these are the things i think about when i watch movies yeah. um uh, i i, I like i i did enjoy the superman killing machine and it becoming sentient uh sentient like i think that's a cool idea but you can't introduce that with 15 minutes left in the movie <laughs> yeah yeah exactly oh, um all right. Uh, other notes. Uh, yeah, I did have. I really like the Richard Pryor character. In yes. This, uh, in, he, to me, he is the standout. Uh-huh. Um, he is the like. Yeah. Gus is the best. <laughs> he's he's a common man, but he also like you know has the savantness to to hack into a, like a computer immediately. Um, uh, but like he feels he feels a lot like a common man. He feels a lot like he's he has no necessarily special abilities, and he kind of gets put in a bad situation. Um, that. He definitely makes choices to put himself in that situation, but also didn't quite see it going. Um, and then he eventually just gets blackmailed um, and then chooses to be mm-hmm. a good person by the end. Um, he's he's for sure um, the standout, the thing to watch this before. Um, and also that the Robert Vaughn is, isn't enough different from Lex Luthor. Um, no. they're, they're kind of the exact same character. Um, this almost feels like when uh, when we were talking about Batman Forever uh, with Dexter, but... Um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones was cast as Two Face, but he wanted to be Joker, and so he played Joker, not Two Face. Right. And this this feels like that. This feels like um, that they cast him and they, they wrote this to be like, ah, oh, Gene Hackman doesn't want to come back again, or we don't want to have him be the villain of all of these. So mm-hmm. let's just put another really similar person. We already wrote a script for Lex Luthor to up a little bit. Um, that's exactly what it feels like. So yeah, this absolutely. this character is completely forgettable. Yeah, so. yeah he's they, like he's bargain bin Luther. Yeah. Yeah, they just they just you search and replace in that script. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Last two notes that I have um, is is Back to the Future doing a Superman three homage by playing Earth Angel at the high school dance. Uh, I have that note as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to look like this is nineteen eighty three, so Back to the Future yeah. came out later. I was like, is that an Easter egg that just I've never heard about? I just took it as Earth Angel is just the biggest song in the eighties at this point. <laughs> yeah. That would also do it. <laughs> um, uh, who the hell wants a diamond that big? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's massive. Because for that for that ring at the very end. Um, and the very last note is the Tower of Pisa gag, where where it, it like gets straightened out, and then the person like remakes all of his models to stand up straight, and then Superman comes and pushes it back over, and the guy just shoves the card over. Like that got me. I thought that was really funny. I thought that was pretty funny, and like him, like the like progressively him getting just like more upset about it, and taking a broom at the end and like smashing all of them. Yeah, I wanted I wanted that vibe for this whole movie, you know. Yeah, like uh, it waffles found... between that vibe, and it's like just I, w- I want you to just go full silly, like just go full silly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I I found Evil Superman a lot of fun. Just his his gags. Like I I guess they're probably glorified Family Guy gags at this point of him just <laughs> blowing out the the Olympic flame. And yeah. for what I was I to understand, like nobody knew what happened there. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so somehow Superman has stealth powers as well. <laughs> nobody yep. notices. Yep. Um. No, I. Uh. Yeah. Richard Pryor is absolutely amazing. Um. I don't know how he got the street fights. The, the street lights to fight each other 
but <laughs> but again, computers. <laughs> this this is how computers work. <laughs> well, and in my mind, I was thinking, no, no, there are no there are no green LED lights in the stop symbol. But I kind of love this, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, and just his ending again was really strange. Of he took he took Gorman to to this junkyard and like offered him a job, and then Gorman just with some weird dialogue just left. Like none of it really went anywhere, and it was yeah. it just felt really like well, we don't want Richard Pryor to be in jail, but I don't know. It was it was odd. Well, speaking of movies that um, should have been a lot sillier, and then that would have made a lot better. Let's talk about Superman for the Quest of Peace. Uh, the Quest for Peace. Um, <laughs> Joe, let's start with you again. Uh, do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or just okay? Uh, I hate it. I think it's horrible. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have... I maybe have like one positive thing to say about it. I think Christopher Reeve is still good in the role. That's about it. Um, it kind of makes sense but with the history of this film, it being a, a canon film, and being like one of the last canon films ever produced. Um, mm-hmm. Them getting a little too big for their britches and trying to make a big-budget film. Um, where they've been more well known for making kind of kind of schlocky, kind of lower budget films uh, throughout the eight, throughout the late seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me how bad this is. Uh, the flying looks awful. They use the same like forward shot all the time. Um, all the visual effects look terrible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, for some reason, there's like there's like a naked lady on a newspaper. It's like Canon cannot cannot like control themselves. They have to have a naked lady <laughs> in every film, even if it's a yep. Superman film. Um, yeah, it's just a nuclear man. The, the most laughable antagonist I've seen ever. Um, he's got like nuclear Lee press on nails. Like, I don't know why that was a choice, but I thought that was cool. Nor do I. Uh, yeah. There's really nothing really to like about this film. In my opinion. Uh, Scott, what about you? Uh, just to show I'm not insane. I also hate this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right. I might be insane then. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> no, no. All right. Here's the, here's, here's the only thing. Um, I don't have anything positive to say about this movie, but I didn't hate it. Like, I really strongly disliked it. I didn't think there was anything redeemable about it, but, like, there wasn't anything to get me into, like, passionately hate it. There wasn't anything to be like, oh, screw this and screw that. I mean, and I wrote I wrote down a couple things, like, you know, um, uh, one strand of Superman's hair can hold a thousand pound weight, but also can be cut by standard <laughs> bolt cutters. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and 30 minutes into this movie, and literally nothing has happened um and also this is the case for all of these movies um i this is where i made the note that this is a this is a long drawn out throwaway bad superman animated movie this is a 22 minute animated for the superman ship that that is is just too long um and the movie yada yada is everything um and it just ends incredibly abruptly. Uh, that's literally all I wrote about. I don't have a single positive th- thing to say about this movie, but nothing about it really made me be like, oh, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. It's just boring and dull, and I, I get it. I get why it has a 3.7 on IMDb. Um, I get it. Um, but it's it's not necessarily like an active dispassion. So um, yeah. that's it. That's all my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, to kind of read my notes off of why I really hated this. Um, Lois learns uh, that uh, Clark is Superman again, which is a waste of time because we've seen this already. I yelled that in my notes. Literally this. We've seen the exact same plot points in Superman 2. This all happened the exact same ways. They learn that, or she learns that he's Superman. They go on this flight together. And then they essentially, again, Superman um, essentially roofies uh, Lois again. And we're just supposed to be okay with this. 
Yeah. So um, that's one of the biggest reasons I hate this is for just wasting my time going over, um, like I said, almost almost line for line of just rehashing this plot thread that goes nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It seems uh, like they're talking about the, the roofy stuff and like the sexual harassment. It seems to go like hand in hand with Canon films and like how they, <laughs> how they deal with like films and like what they think is okay. Cause like they're really out there when it comes to all that and really like cringy um, as far as as regarded. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like even like the new love interest quotation marks, like, She's like sexually harassing like Clark. Oh yeah, <laughs> like openly, like in the office, like that would not fly nowadays, or nor should it fly even back then. Right. Um, yeah, I just don't really have a whole lot of great things to say about it. Like, like I said, Nuclear Man is 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 almost like comes full circle to being kind of awesome because he's so terrible. Like they literally got a Chippendales dancer to play him. Like that's mm-hmm. who that person is, and they just used uh, uh, Gene Hackman's voice. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, but uh, it's got really dumb MacGuffins in it. Yep. Uh, his his nephew's kind of entertaining. Oh yeah, I, I, he's, I do. I, he's I annoying. Kind of like John Cryer's annoying, but like that's what the character's supposed to be. Yeah. But he's always going on about his drum set and all his stupid <laughs> crap that he has. So it's kind of funny. Eh. <laughs> and I th- not really. Yeah, I'm reaching. I'm trying to reach, man. <laughs> uh, uh, if if I have anything positive to say, it's that at the. They do kind of bring back some classic Clark fun of when they're in the gym and Clark is, is playing the klutz of he can't yeah. really do anything with the weights. And I do enjoy that. It's, it's kind of a nice callback Ooh. to the beginning Ooh. of the movie. There we go. There's a there's a there's a one positive thing I could say about that. I laughed. Uh, oh, like he throws the barbell at him. When he throws the barbell at him and he yeah. says, no pain, no gain. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. This is my one positive thing to say is that moment made me chuckle. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> Okay, I was I was looking to win. Oh no, uh, I was looking when um, Hiding Out came out. The uh, John Cryer vehicle, where he plays a twenty-eight-year-old pretending to be a high schooler. I've um, literally only ever seen him in Two and a Half Men, yeah. and now this. <laughs> so he doesn't have a good track record. Um, no, uh, pretty in so, pink. Pretty famous for playing. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. He is. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the the. The weight room scene just is a nice callback to like when Clark's trying to open the beer bottle in the first one, um, where mm. it just again reminded me that oh, as much as I don't like the plot of this movie, at least I do have Christopher Reeve in this. And oh, yeah, I, he plays uh, he actually plays Lex Luthor in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh yeah, that's that's a funny. Callback. Oh yeah, yeah, he uh, yeah he plays I uh, yeah he plays Lex Luthor in Supergirl. Yeah, so, uh, and then yeah, and then by extension when he's in the the crossovers okay yeah, well, that's yes. a fun little fun little connection yeah i mean I, uh, I, don't, I don't i didn't see i stopped watching all those shows a long time i've just recently kind of i'm i got to play catch up but i'm still pretty up to up to date um he, he's he's a great superman or not superman he's great in supergirl as like i believe really that actually yeah i do um yeah if, and overall just i didn't really i really feel like any of the cast really was putting their best foot forward on this one it just did not feel like anybody really wanted to be a part of this movie yeah yeah, that sounds fair. Cool. Um, all right, let's do it. Superman Returns. One more Superman movie. Here we go. <laughs> um, I'll start. Um, I'm on the high side of this movie's just okay. Uh, what about you, Scott? Um, I I don't hate this one, but I do dislike it. Oh, okay. And uh, Joe, what about you? Uh, you know, I'm on like okay to like disliking it. Um, I'll probably see them more on okay. Okay. All right, here's, here's my thing about this movie. I love the idea... That instead of doing a full reboot or even a soft reboot, they just made a sequel. Mm-hmm. I like um, that too. 
I love that they went for it. The problem is that this movie is not that. Like, that's what I understood this movie to be, was there was this long arc planned, and so this is a sequel to Superman 4 The Quest of Peace. But there is so much different, especially watching them all back to back to back. Well, not re- not back to back to back, but like, you know, every day watching one of these for, for a couple days. Like, there mm-hmm. is so much inconsistencies in who these characters are, what their motivations yeah. are. Um even even the littlest things like set design um the, the daily planet looked nothing like it did in superman one through four it looked a lot like the smallville mm-hmm. um for for daily planet and like that's i i wish that they would have gone full-blown sequel because like they even try to on a couple occasions make the the graphics and the animation look or like some of the maybe not some of the fighting styles but like they try to make it look like we made they released this movie a couple years after quest for peace in a couple of ways but they they want to identify as a sequel but they also want to use it kind of as a soft reboot and so it completely falls flat um was it correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't ma kent dead in the first superman movie yeah no that that's something that i make note of as well is definitely by the end of the original. for sure by the end of two yeah because yeah. and he's didn't he have some shyster tried to hustle him out of the the farmhouse yeah at the beginning of either three or four i think it was four but yeah. and, and she's alive in return. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that threw me off as well. Yeah. They have a lot of consistencies in a writing like that. Like Lois not knowing who Superman is. Like mm-hmm. um, the thing that bothered me was like, if you're going to do a sequel, like what's up with the modern day tech? Like let's not have <laughs> right. any of that. Let's throw that out. You know what I mean? Well, like, let's do a, it right. There was a couple times where they tried to set it as not too long after press for peace. But then there was also a kid with a flip phone, flip phone, <laughs> taking a picture. Like, yeah. everything about this movie like i love the idea of this movie i I really wish they would have just gone full-blown into it but it it can't pick a lane on whether it's a reboot or a sequel and for that reason this movie is a complete failure to me but i love the idea so much and i like brandon routh as superman yeah um I, I like, uh, I, I love, look, look, everything about them aside, um, I love Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, not to speak to anything about who he is as a person, right. same with Brian Singer. Yeah, I, just, I think that we right. maybe just don't even need to have that conversation again because right. <laughs> obviously they're terrible people. Yep. Um, but I love Kevin Spacey in this role. No, um, he's good. He's an excellent Lex Luthor. Um, and uh, him and and uh, and the guy that they got for Jimmy Olsen are the only two that I actually like really thought were like both consistent with the original characters and well cast. Yeah. Um cuz that cuz that Jimmy feels like just like Jimmy from the first four movies. Right. I think yeah, I think Bosworth was a was a big miss. I, there she was like the it girl at the time and they were really trying to make her happen and she just wasn't great as Lois. Um, yes. She, she didn't like reflect what that character entails. Um I thought visually the movie looks pretty awesome. I think it still kind of stands up. Some things are a little outdated, mm-hmm. but like marginally, like very small, but like largely a lot of things look great in this, um, especially the fortress of solitude looks really amazing. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll go back to what you say. Yeah. Spacey's great in the role. He's terrific as Luther. Uh, I feel like I believe it even more than now that he's a terrible person, that this is yeah. just him channeling himself. Yep. Um, Brandon Ralph is well, perfect. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things too. I read on INDB's trivia that on set, he was driving around a golf cart that he was like tying a, a, a Superman doll to and just dragging it around and screaming, kill Superman, kill Superman. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's kind of fun, but that's also kind of, all right, how did we not see these warning signs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think Brandon Routh is like perfect in the role. I actually feel 
quite bad for him that the film wasn't as successful mm-hmm. as it should have been. Yeah, uh, I actually like this. Maybe a hot take, but I think he's better than Reeves is as far as a Superman at Clark Kent goes. I just think he's in the wrong film. He was yeah, in the I would agree film. with that. He would be yeah. more like highly thought of, but he still has a following, so that's great. Yeah, um, yeah, and he got, he got his Adam in uh, in the CW. Yeah, you know, sure. yeah, the, he's like, good in that tomorrow. Yeah. Um, he's fantastic as Todd Ingram and uh, Scott, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he is. kills it. And then yeah. he has a, um, I believe he has a, a villain arc in Chuck. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I didn't see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, I got to go back and watch it. But yeah, he's great in that too. Yeah, um, yeah. And one of the moments that you were talking about, Joe, that like doesn't hold up visually is the plane sequence. That plane looks so bad like spider-man homecoming levels of bad scene um i i, I think there's other parts that look worse i thought that part was i thought it was entertaining but i mean it doesn't really hold up as as well as some of the other stuff but oh, i, I want to touch on that scene for a second that's probably okay. where i really fell out, off with this scene is me too me too so so everything happens and like it's fine he like i don't have a problem with like the setup or anything it's the aftermath which really gets me is he lands this plane in the middle of a baseball stadium yep. and the crowd reacts like they just saw a double play, not Earth Savior returning after being gone for eight years. It's just a mild, just like, we're happy you're back clap, not just like going absolutely insane, which completely also, drove me nuts. Also, I've, heard, I've heard bigger roars of a crowd at sports events and that's drove me nuts. Also, they paid to go watch a baseball game and interrupting it halfway through there's just a plane on the field now, and they can't play around it. <laughs> I feel like he could have parked that plane that plane any better place. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. come on. But I think that goes um, to Superman's selfish side a little bit of like, I want people to know I'm here. <laughs> so, well, okay, so that's that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about with the inconsistencies because you can tell on the baseball uniforms that they model them to look like early '90s, late '80s baseball mm. uniforms, like still hand stitched and all that. But then a kid has a flip phone later. Like, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about with the inconsistencies is like, yeah. you can tell that somebody on, on set was like, all right, we're going for a sequel. So like, we've got to make this try to look like take place as if it was a sequel. But then they're also just like, yeah, but I really need somebody to have a, a camera that's really new mm. for them to have um, because they take better pictures of super than Clark. Um, and uh, uh, like so that to me that that was the problem is is you can see them trying to do both and so by trying to do both they did neither um the plane sequence is what really lost me for this movie um because other than the inconsistencies because i don't know how i didn't get here earlier but there are just no stakes in any of these movies except for superman too. um because you've seen superman go through so much and he he literally only has one weakness which is which is kryptonite Mm -hmm. but because kryptonite doesn't affect humans there's always some human that's willing to get kryptonite away from him um before superman dies or is before so superman can still have time to save the day Mm -hmm. there are just no stakes in this movie and so when the plane is going down i'm not concerned that superman is not going to save everybody on that plane Mm -hmm. the better movie is that plane goes down and Superman has to deal with essentially Spider-Man to him. You know, that's the much better version of this movie. Um, watching him overcome his failures. I want to see Superman fail yeah. and then overcome that. Um, and that's part of the reason too, why I really liked Man of Steel, but I am not excited if they make a sequel because we know Superman is so overpowered, especially after, you know, Batman versus Superman and justice league, like nothing can stop him except for kryptonite Mm -hmm. and even if he does die he's gonna come back (laughs) so like 
how how do you possibly make this character feel like there are stakes? And the answer is you don't. There are no stakes. With, um, and it, it really hit me here, although it's ironic because this movie also nerfs him really hard. Um, they make him look borderline um, when he is trying to save the plane and when he's trying to lift the yacht out of the water. Hmm. Um, he looks like he's struggling and like he might not do it. And it's like, first of all, I know you're going to do it because you're Superman. And second of all, this is yeah. the same person that was doing all these incredible things in the first couple movies with barely lifting a finger. Like this is so inconsistent. God, I, yeah, that's I. I wanted to like this movie so bad, and I think there's a good movie in here. Uh, this is not it, though. To, yeah, to, sorry, go to, ahead, Joe. To, uh, to to know his his weaknesses, he does have an additional weakness, which I think would add more stakes. Just don't use it in live action too often. Is uh, magic. So if you had him pitted against somebody like Black Adam, that's a really interesting thing, uh, a really interesting fight. But okay, but there that, we go. Yeah. Well, now but, that we're getting a Black Adam movie, maybe that's yeah. the, maybe that's yeah. how you do a Man of Steel too. Yeah. Although they're going to make Scott. Black Adam a hero because of course because <laughs> they cast the Rock, of course uh-huh. they're going to make him a hero. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Scott. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I just there's some there is definitely some fun ideas in this movie, um, and I probably would have enjoyed them, but this thing really slugs on for probably 45 more minutes than it needs to go. Yeah. That that whole ending after Luther is defeated and and they're we're waiting on bated breath to see if Superman lives. That thing goes on forever. And yeah, it, this movie is Return of the King. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like and again, it's like nobody is convinced since Superman returns that Superman is going to die because yeah. this is supposed to be the beginning of the new Superman franchise. So what? Like that's they're really trying to do something here that's just not working on an emotional level. They yep. they didn't they did really didn't earn that ending of making <laughs> us wonder if he's gonna die. No, although I do like the um the the whole yacht sequence. Like that was a, for sure a highlight for me. Um, oh, I I agree. The yeah, yeah. the the scene where we we find out that um that oh I don't remember his name Jimmy. What's what's his son's name? It's not Jim. I don't, remember. I don't know. The kid. Yeah, the kid. <laughs> whenever we we learn that, um, yeah, whenever we learn that he is in fact Superman's son, is is a nice touch of the um, kryptonite kind of affecting him. Although it's kind of hard to tell what it was really doing to him. Like right. he he looked he, he looked scared of it, but like he wasn't like getting sick or anything. So. But if I'm six years old and you wave a green brick in my face intimidatingly, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be scared. Yeah. Right. So I so my first thought was. Uh, yeah, it was exactly that. It's, I feel like that could have been played out just a little bit more because it seemed like Luther had the idea, but it wasn't quite conveyed to the audience. But then when when he does just push the piano into the into the henchman was such a great reveal and it was so good. Yeah, yeah, so. I really liked that, and I've I've seen that scene before, um, so I really liked that. Mm. Uh, now, and and that was the other thing too is like when are we to have believed that Superman and Lois had sex because. Every time she finds out he's Superman, he memory he amnesia kisses oh, her away. Oh yeah, like <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so so how is that possible? And not only that, but that kid is what maybe seven eight years old, and yeah. like we're supposed to believe Superman's been gone for a certain amount of time, and like nobody it's five questions. Years. Yeah. It's five years. Okay, it's five years. Yeah. Nobody nobody questions that it was Teddy's kid. At least not until Lex Luthor does. Like no. And the- so- I think they mentioned at the beginning. I think I don't, I don't know. I wasn't I, paying too yeah, much attention no, I, to this movie. I, I, think, I think Jimmy also mentioned like it's it's her kid and like specifies it's not uh, James Marsden's kid. Okay, I, I think, look as, as soon yeah. as soon as the movie opened and I realized what this movie was actually doing, I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna check out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> perfectly understandable. Yeah, I, I think um, the hugest problem that I've had with this movie, even when I first saw it back when it came out, I think it was 2006, was Debbie Dad Superman. Yep. Like 
he just leaves. And uh, Superman yeah. would not leave for five years for something so like, oh, I could find my people. He's so attached to the people at Earth, he wouldn't care about Krypton anymore. Wouldn't even be a thing. Mm-hmm. It just makes him look like, I don't know what, what they do with these films. They just kind of forget what Superman and Clark are all about. Mm-hmm. Like, they just kind of forget about it. Which I think the animated films do a much better job of like encapsulating what that character is and what he stands for. Yeah, yeah they try to make it sound like Superman had a hard time saying goodbye. But not, I don't buy that for an instance that he couldn't tell Lois where he was going and like explain to Lois, like, I, I have to leave now. My planet needs me. <laughs> so I, it's, it's contrived writing for the, for the sake of um, drama. Right. Yep. Oh, Gosh, and, the, the potential of this movie is, it should have been absolutely. good. And do we, do we know, did James Marsden work on this movie instead of The Last Stand, X-Men The Last Stand? He did. He he was actually told that he could only work on one or the other. Oh boy! And I think Brett Ratner and the studio held it against him for moving on to this project, and that's why okay. his role was reduced. That's why he died in the beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, well, he was died. He died, but I guess it would have been at the very beginning of X. It was. Yeah, that yeah. was always one of my biggest gripes with that movie as well. Well, and that's the, well, that's the same thing with Brian Singer chose not to direct last yeah, game because right. of this movie. Yeah. Which then was also something about X Men franchise and directors leaving to direct other things. Because <laughs> then Matthew Vaughn does First Class and sure. leaves to direct Superman uh, or uh, Kingsman, which yeah. I mean that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, that was a good choice. And and then Singer coming back to do Days of Future Past, which was already practically production, and then Apocalypse. <laughs> Oof. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, yeah the James Marston and Brian Singer both. Yeah. Um, obviously okay. Singer couldn't direct at all. I think he still got a producer credit on The Last Stand, but. Okay. Interesting that Marston would have moved over to Superman too. Like, I, I, gu- I guess maybe maybe the thought process was Superman Returns is supposed to be kind of a revival of a franchise, and so there's potential like more films in it. Whereas the last the last stand was planned on being the last mm-hmm. X Men movie, and then other than like origin prequel, right? So I I can very much see them laying the groundwork, even if there was going to be future movies for um his character to have a little bit of a villainous turn of jealousy. There's there's definitely some things that they could have done with him, but like we've kind of been saying this whole time, talking about returns, is that there's just a missed opportunity there. There's nuggets of greatness there that they just left on the floor. Well, and I want to know who's the problem with this movie. Like I I I think I think the cast is fine. They're doing what they're supposed to do, but it's so inconsistent. And none of it's necessarily great, other than the people that we talked about. Um, I think Brandon Routh and and Kevin Spacey, and uh, the person that plays Jimmy Olsen in there. But, like, is it Singer's fault? Is it the screenplay writer's fault? Is it producer's? Screenplay. Well, I don't know, because, like, was it the screenplay that, like, was the screenplay completely set in the past? And then Singer was like, well, we got to have some futuristic <laughs> stuff. Or were the producers like, you can't have a modern movie without modern tech? Like, I, I just don't know. Uh, but either um, way, this movie just doesn't yeah. as presented. Yeah, I agree. All right. We've done it. We've talked about the Superman movies. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see myself watching any of these future. Nah. Um, Man of Steel is still by far my favorite. But that's, that's just my opinion. I'm glad I watched them. They're off my list of shame. But yeah, I, I probably won't return to these for fun. I, I might return to the to the original Donner film, um, but largely I, I'll always revisit Superman and animated. I think that's where he's seen in the best yeah. light. Yeah, for sure. All right, then on to our B plot, and this will be relatively quick. Uh, what is one movie prop you really wish you had? Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I, I'm sure this is a prop that I can get, but I, I want the actual one. Um, I want the mug from the end of Knives Out that Marta is holding as she looks over everybody where it says, uh, my house, my rules, mm. uh, and, uh, or my coffee, my house, my rules. Like, I'm, I'm sure there are replicas available. I want the actual one. Um, I, 
that that's Knives Out is one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. and that prop that prop means something. Um, uh, and I, I I would love to have specifically that one. Uh, replica would be specifically I want the one that on an arm is holds at the. Uh, that's me, um, Joe. What about you? What's a prop you would love to have? Uh, I have a few, but like at the top of my list would be I already have, I have several you know versions of this, but uh, Captain America Shield. Um, yeah. especially from the comic book i would like the animantium and vibranium blend being a little greedy here um but yeah just oh, I you so, want, yeah you want a functional shield not a not a prop yeah exactly uh, <laughs> I, I i love like i love the character and i just love what that, that shield stands for uh, another yeah. one is the conan sword from uh, conan the barbarian and uh, a lightsaber like a functioning lightsaber like an actual one yeah <laughs> That'd I mean, not gonna lie. I have that le- that black series one up there, and they're like they're mm, they're awesome. pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott, what about you? What's one you'd love to have? Uh, I man, I struggled with this question a little bit. I was trying to think about what could I. I so I first thought like, what could I practically use? And I couldn't really land on anything. So I thought, what would just be really cool to have? So I I went with a couple of answers here. Is either I want the the shark from Jaws, Bruce. I just went. I just want him in my house. Just to be a talking point. Like showing people around, and this is the room where I keep Bruce. Or, <laughs> or <be> amazing. <laughs> um, or on the, in the same vein, like Jurassic Park is probably another one of my favorite movies. Uh, like just the the T Rex, just as yeah. a nice decoration in my backyard. That'd be awesome. Um, the other one that I had listed down, and I'm sure, sure I could throw in Indiana Jones's whip oh, or sure. hat, yeah. or uh, yeah, I thought about a lightsaber or like a Darth Vader helmet. Or, uh, you know, one of a million things. Um, uh, I thought of a bunch of stuff, uh, but the the one that I want more of, more than anything is I want Detective K's coat from Blade Runner 2049. Mm. Oh, yeah. um, because yeah. I think that, I mean, first of all, I love that movie, but that coat also looks really practical because um, it, it's like a trench coat style. Um, and it looks like it keeps him warm because in Blade Runner 2049, he's in a lot of like, cold places. Um, and then it also has the like comes up halfway to where it just protects his ears. Um, I love that coat. I actually bought a replica because I found one for a decent price and I mean, I it's a too. replica. <laughs> I have one of those too. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah. It's, well, it's a replica though. The problem is like, obviously it wasn't made in America. Um, and like, it's just not quite right. Like it comes up, but the strap won't reach to cover the front of my face. And even if I did like extend it somehow, then like it wouldn't actually cover the face. It would just be a piece of leather going across the front of my face, which would look dumb. But like, you know, um, you know what? I, I, I didn't pay that much for it and it's, it still functions as a coat. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not necessarily mad at my purchase, but I would, I would love a legitimate, like one yeah. like that. I'll have to show it to you some, I'm I think I'll find a picture of it, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to see that. Uh, any other like quick ones off the top of you guys' head? I know, I know, I said two on the notes here, but yeah. I was, but we're kind of rattling them off pretty quickly. Yeah, you know? so, uh, yeah, that, that, that was really my two. All right, <clears throat> time for the spinoff then. Uh, <clears throat> wow, Joe, let's start with you. Um, what's that one thing in any era of pop culture that you really just like dying to tell people about or to tell people to stay away from? Uh, I got a few, so I'll run through them quickly. Um, the one where I don't really think I need to tell anybody about because it blew up to such large proportions I didn't think it was possible was uh, Squid Game. I think Squid Game is amazing. I think it's my favorite show of this year, and it seems like it's everybody's favorite show this year, but I don't care because I just love it. <laughs> um, I'm glad that Korean filmmaking is actually getting the support that it needs. Um, the anime Claymore, um, that's a fantastic anime. I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld lately. Um, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, the fantastic animated film. And uh, just to be in theme of what we've been talking about as far as Superman, 
Uh, Superman versus the Elite is really terrific. Has to catch it. Solid. Well, then, uh, Scott, what about you? Um, I know that lots of people are probably feeling a lull after uh, Ted Lasso ended just this weekend. Um, I think that what a lot of people are kind of sleeping on or kind of missing is now that you still have that Apple Plus uh, subscription, go ahead and check out Mythic Quest. Um, I think mm-hmm. it has just as much heart of Ted Lasso. It's a little bit of a darker, more um, uh, humor a bit, but there's still lots of good relationship building in that show. Um, Danny Pudi plays completely counterpart to uh, Avid from Community, where he plays a um, money-hungry um, uh, uh, producer of the fictional game Mythic Quest. Um, Rob McElhenney, um from It's Always Sunny uh, mm-hmm. plays... Um, a, uh, an intelligent uh, creator, which is again, just completely counterpoint to it's always sunny. So there's just lots of good heart. And especially if you're going to watch anything, they did a pandemic episode last year where it was shot completely virtually. Nice. And it's, there's a, there's a scene at the very end of that. That's just completely heartbreaking. And it's, it, especially at the time of when it was filmed, it's so meaningful. So I really suggest that people need to check out Mythic quest. Sweet. Uh, gosh. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to see Lamb tonight, so unfortunately mm. I can't talk about that yet. Um, and I'm recording right as soon as we're done here. Uh, I'm going to review for No Time to Die, mm. so I'm going to re- restrain from talking about that as well. <laughs> the only other things I've seen in the past week have been uh, um, uh, Superman films. So okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk about something that I didn't get a chance to talk about a couple weeks ago. Uh, I watched Ocean's 12 recently because I showed Ocean's 11 to my wife. And uh, o- Ocean's 11 is a phenomenal, amazing, incredible, one of the best heist movies ever, if not the best heist movie ever. Um, um, for sure. Uh, and I remember thing 12 was pretty lackluster, but not as bad as people thought. And 13 was better than 12, but um, still not good. Uh, I haven't seen 13 again yet, but um, 12 was a lot better than I remember. Um, I think I think there's a good movie in 12. Um, and I, I would I would just say if you if it's been a while since you've seen it, it's worth checking out for sure. Now, um, I actually stopped following somebody on Letterboxd because they wrote that this is the definitive heist movie of all time. And, <laughs> no. Like, no. no. This per- uh, person has a history of exaggerated uh, movie opinions. Though, so. um, it, but it's it's far from the best heist movie of all time. Um, it is it is really actually a, a solid film mm-hmm. um, and definitely a lot better than its reputation. That's my... Um, but that'll do it. That's a wrap. So uh, quick reminder, Civ Pop Rogers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by search Studio DNA Podcast Player. Uh, if you want to get in contact with uh, with me or the show or you want to write for CivPop.com, you can uh, send a message to writersroom at CivPop.com or by searching CivPop uh, on Twitter or me on Twitter at Schweitcastle. Uh, but that's the way you can connect with me um, and the show. Um, uh, Scott, where do you want to send people? Um, I, honestly, I'm not very high on the social meds. Um, my, my Twitter, <laughs> my Twitter is actually uh, locked for, her, so um, not really a way to follow me anywhere. But I do encourage everyone to continue checking out all the great articles by our wonderful movie loving writers on sifpop.com. That's sweet. Uh, and Joe. Yeah, you could uh, you can reach me on Instagram at the Star Spangled Avenger and underscore each one of those words. Uh, if you want to talk to me about comic books, collecting action figures, weight training, movies, uh, you name it. Uh, I like a lot of things. Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, I love Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. yeah me too. Awesome. Uh, hey, I appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking Superman movie with you. Much better than watching these movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So.
Um, so thanks, thanks uh, as always. Uh, Joe, we'll see, next uh, month we'll have uh, producer Phil on the show, and we'll talk about Edge of Tomorrow and Alita Battling. Can't uh, wait. I'm glad they rewatch those. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll get a chance to talk about those um, and a couple other movies uh, for the attraction. Uh, next week is uh, a TV catch-up. I've got uh, Adam on the show from Australia. Um, um, should, should be a good time, and uh, we'll see you back here next week.